we'll get started. Okay, uh, thank you so much everybody for coming out today. Um, if you don't already know, my name is Jason. I run Local Color, a Baltimore podcast. It's a local podcast in the city. And uh, today, I, along with uh, my co-host Rob Lee, who also runs a podcast in the city, were given a very special opportunity, uh, a private tour of Repercussions, the art exhibit that is currently on display at the UB Blake Cultural Center, uh, and this is the Cultural Center itself. Um, I don't want to talk too much because at the end of the day, y'all aren't here for me or us, you're here for Rob and the things downstairs. Um, just a brief overview. Rob is a uh, culture protector, curator. Oh, wait, no, yeah, Tom. <laughs> Tom, Rob. My wife knows I confuse people's names a lot. Uh, Congrats on that marriage recently. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, Tom is a cultural protector. He uh, was working at Creative Alliance. Um, and above all things, he is a curator. He is somebody who goes out and, and finds the arts, the art that, uh, speaks to our soul. And um, I could introduce Rob, but I'm going to let him do it. <laughs> well, well, thank you, sir. Uh, and um, thank you, Tom, for this opportunity to come here and speak with you fine folks and speak to you out there in uh, camera land. Uh, so I'm Rob Lee from uh, Truth in This Art. It's a um, interview series featuring artists, entrepreneurs, and tastemakers in and around Baltimore to really try to get down to really what's happening here with people that are driving the culture. And um, I think a lot of times this maps are represented, so I thought let's do my part to show that we got a lot of cool individuals here. I see some folks who've been on who are out here. What's up, Kai? Uh, and um, Thomas as well, so this is um, especially a treat. So without much further ado, do you want to get to some questions? How are you feeling? You guys tell me. Look, I'm I'm honored to you know that that we got this collaboration going. Yeah. Um, I was happy to to show you guys the show. Um, so however you go, you know this this is your show. I'm here to relax. Okay. I'm here to talk. So you know whatever you guys want to do. I mean you're in a hot seat. So you know <laughs> we got questions. You got questions. So I guess Good. I'll start off with uh, this one question that'll show that I did a little research. Uh, so loosely. The black aesthetic has been defined as a cultural ideology that developed in America alongside the civil rights movement in the 1960s and promoted uh, black separatism um, in the arts. Uh, Larry Neal, who was credited for coining the term in 1968, but many uh, black aesthetic theorists uh, don't agree on there's a real definition. My take is it's a living thing. There's no boundaries. Mm -hmm. From your vantage point, how do you uh, describe and view the uh, black aesthetic? Mm. Well, I mean, I think I think that that's sort of the you know the the purpose of having the show, um, you know, sort of have the subtext of redefining the black aesthetic because um, you know I I think that um, the black aesthetic is is something that like you're saying I mean it's it is it's as vast as our experiences. Um, so and I guess the, the the reason I called the show Repercussions was um, because the, the original way I was thinking about it was the um, essentially what what our lives are like um, post colonialism, sure. um, and so these are sort of the the repercussions of that the way in which we create the way in which we understand history the way in which we research history the way we talk about it the way we um, the way we express it to others. Um, so I guess going back to your question, um, yeah, I mean, if in the show there are there are 
14 artists, each of them with a unique style, a unique uh, material that they're using, a unique point of view. Um, they each have their own, they come with their own experiences, they come with their own lineages and histories and um, the way they connect with the outside world, where they connect with their families, where they connect with the environments in which they were brought up in is all different. So I think that especially in the, um, in, in, in the original way we, in the original way that the, the black aesthetic was defined, um, uh, a lot of people wanted to relate it to the, the black struggle or the struggle of the civil rights movement. Um, at the time, which I think, I think now is sort of inherent or, or present in, in each of the artists' work in one way or the other. Um, but, but I think more it is, more and more it's, it's, it's becoming abstract, if you will. Um, you know, because I think for, for all of us now, it's important to to be woke in one way or another. Yeah. Um, and that, that doesn't mean that you, you know, it, it, any negative connotation that anyone has with that word, it doesn't necessarily have to be that, but it's really just that, that, that you are aware of what is, what is going on and the cause and effect. Um, and so I, so I think, yeah, I think the black aesthetic now is really just, just channeling that consciousness, the, that consciousness um, into your work. Um, so it's not it, it's it's not just one thing, you know. It's uh it's it's very vast. I hope that answers the question. Thank you for sharing. <laughs> Can you describe the difference between abstract art and surreal art? Because I think both art styles are very unorthodox and hard to make sense of. Mm. So to like the layman, because you you're a curator, so you're definitely the expert. How, how would you describe the difference between the two art styles? I wouldn't even call myself an expert. Um, no more than me. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I think that, I think the, the way that I would consider um, the differences, whether, and, and whether that's, whether it's surrealism, whether that's uh, impressionism, or um, any, any, anything before, before we get to what was known as, as, um, as, as abstract work, um, is really just the way that the way in which the work is created, the way in which the the figures are um, are displayed in the in the work. So like when we so I mean so abstract work. A lot of people might think that that abstract work is is just you know probably like Jackson Pollock is probably what what people would think of, um, but you can also think about. Um, Ramir Bearden as abstract work, um, Basquiat as abstract work. Um, really, just these. You know, it, there's there's figurative work, or there, there's figurative elements in that. There can be figurative elements in the work um, that I so I would still consider it abstract. But again, it's not. I, I think also the the reason why we've moved into into this sort of um, abstract and and mixed media. Um, world, which is which is really a lot of the works in the show, is because just like our, all of our experiences are vast, the way in which we want to communicate that is is vast as well. So some, sometimes you might want to use um, elements of of abstract, or you might want to use elements of impressionism, where you know it's sort of a um, where the you know you you can 
you can see certain figures that are there, but they might not they might not be um, you know what's the word, like photorealism or um, or just just straight figurative, you know, just like the, the the piece behind us, you know, that you know we would just consider that you know just a, a figurative work. Um, but yeah, so I guess to yeah, so to to answer your question, I think I think now in 2021, there's so much there's so much blurring of the blurring of the lines, blurring of the genres. Um, so which I guess is that's sort of like a that's not really an answer, um, but I'll take it. Okay, yeah, <laughs> but it's a, it's a lot of mixing, I guess. I just see just the handoff. Uh, it's like us going back and forth, like in like a rap thing or what have you, mm. you know, back and forth with the mic. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. So in, in naming uh, this exhibition repercussions, I, I had to look up the, the definition. Uh, repercussions are defined as the result after impact. I believe that the work here is emblematic of earlier artists, and you kind of touched on that bit. Yeah. Uh, where do you see things going in terms of gallery representation of black artists, curators, and even specifically to what's happening in the Baltimore art scene? Mm. So I think that to answer your question about the um, about the galleries uh, first is I think that a lot of artists are um, a lot of the power now is 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 in in the artist's hands to a certain degree. Um, a lot of artists now we see a lot of artists, especially here, that you know they might do specific deals that aren't traditional. Yeah. Um, so there might be a deal where there is a. Okay, let's, my, my bad, let's make sure we're getting it. Not for sure. Um, <laughs> um, but, you know, we want to, there, there are deals that are, that are like time limits. So it'd be like, okay, you know, we're going to represent your, we're going to represent you for a year um, or, or they say we're going to represent you for this project. Um, and then I think, but I think a lot of artists, especially now in negotiation, because the power is in a lot of artists' hands, if you're an artist and you know, you're you're kind of popping, you're selling work, and you might, you know, which is because there are so many, there's so many more platforms, whether that's through Instagram or that's through Artsy or you know, or even Etsy. You know, like a lot of these online platforms and even TikTok. Now I think about it, a lot of people are selling work through TikTok. Um, but because of that, you might not, you might not need or want a any any specific gallery representation the way that it has traditionally been done. You know, traditionally. They'll have, you know, their galleries might might only offer these like really exclusive deals where you can only show with them, or um, you know, or, or they have they have you know first dibs on all of your work. Yeah. Um, and I, I think a lot of artists now they're kind of like, mm, no, I don't really I don't really want to do that. Um, and if you do want to do it, it's fine. Uh, but I think I think what we're seeing now is a lot of artists are taking the power back and they're like, okay, you know what? Let me let me work with this person for a year. Let me see how it goes, or let me let me give this gallery ten of my pieces throughout the year, and then I'll I'll keep and I'll do whatever I want with the other ten or twenty or however much they're creating, or um, or yeah, you know, I'll work with them on a specific project. If it goes well, maybe we move forward. If not, then maybe we don't, um, which is something that hasn't traditionally been seen. Um, but I think also when, when we talk about gallery representation, I think now a lot of galleries that, and even international galleries that, that may not have had any black artists on their roster, they might want a black artist now yeah. because black art is hot right now. 
Um, you know, I don't, I don't know exactly what this is going to be called in the, in the books um, when, this, <laughs> when this sort of, you know, when, when, when we kind of see the, the end of this run. Um, but, you know, well, from what I call it is, is essentially just like the, the like black figurative sort of movement, if that's what you want to call it. I, I don't know. Um, but what we're seeing now is that a lot of, um, you know, people want, people want black art because people want what's, um, people want what's new, people want what's fresh, they want different perspectives, they want new stories, um, and they want things that people haven't seen before, and they, and they want to be the first one to get it. Um, so, you know, a lot of, a lot of galleries are, are now adding other, are adding black artists to their roster, and we also see a lot of, a lot of galleries that have black artists you know, kind of exploding, you know, like we, we see, I mean, even here, um, you know, Mertice, for example, um, her gallery, you know, it's, it's all black artists on there. And now, you know, now more and more we see those artists, you know, getting a lot of big looks and things like that. So uh, I think from the, from the gallery space, I mean, I'm thinking that we're going to see, we're going to see more and more um, we're going to see more and more black artists represented by galleries and doing deals with galleries. Um, yeah. Uh, what, what were the other two part? That was like a two part question, right? So yeah, um, I guess to to expound and I, and I think you kind of covered it, but uh, even in it, with like you, I think you really touched on the artists. But as far as representation amongst like black curators and oh, yeah, um, yeah, and specifically in this scene. this local scene too. Right, right, right. Yeah. Um, I mean, to be honest, I think if you're a curator now, you're in like a pretty good position because. <laughs> There's there's so much that there's so many transferable skills that you have as a curator. You know, being on the arts admin side is like being good at the arts admin side is not easy, and so it's a, a very coveted skill set. Yeah. Um, so we see a lot of curators, you know, such as myself, even you know, just being parts of of these of, of many different projects. So you know, what uh, I would say, majority of what I do is pretty much outside of the gallery. So, you know, like spearheading acquisition projects that I've been a part of or opening up, um, you know, opening up a residency or, um, you know, even here, I'm the, I'm the exhibitions committee co-chair. So, you know, it's more than just picking the exhibitions, but it's also, you know, working with, working with local installers or, um, you know, just like, and I mean, there's, there's, a, there are curators here in Baltimore that are opening up all these different spaces, especially here on, on Howard Street. Um, so, I mean, I think being able to, being able to handle budgets, being able to, to work on logistics, being able to run a space um, operationally, but also programmatically, is some is a skill set that a lot of curators now have because. Traditionally, they've been asked to do so much. Curators outside of the, and I mean, within the museum realm, but also outside of the museum realm. Um, you know, curation, even even in just the word, when we think about curating, you know, essentially that's running things. Yeah. Um, so if you have the ability to to run things while also be creative and and have an eye for for the artists that are that are doing great things, or, and you know, being able to critique and write and all these different things that curators are asked to do, that can that can take you many different places. So, and, and I think and Baltimore is full of of curators, 
One is because we have the um, there's a lot of curators that come out of the, the MICA program. Um, they have a, they have actually have a, a curatorial practice program, which is not normal. Um, you know, a lot of schools don't have that. So one, you know, even you know, even in just having that in particular sort of separates Baltimore from a lot of other places. Um, and so I think, yeah, so I mean, I, I think what we see a lot, when we see a lot of these projects popping up, especially, you know, ones that I've, I know are going on but haven't been announced yet, but when we see a lot of these projects going on, a lot of them are done by people with curatorial experience because they've had to do so much um, throughout the time and then for the, or throughout their time. And then to, to answer your last question about what's, about the Baltimore art scene, I think we're going to see it expanding uh, more and more. Um, one reason is because, um, you know, there are, because we're so close to other cities and now, and, and so now people are really looking at Baltimore and going like, yo, like it's some cool stuff going on. Um, and like, for example, there are, there are galleries here that most of their collector base is actually in DC or it's actually in New York, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be um, in Baltimore. So by proxy, you're bringing people, you're bringing, you know, you're bringing collectors, you're bringing people that are interested in art, you're bringing them to Baltimore. And so naturally, there's gonna, there might be more and more people involved in the scene. Um, you know, one of the, one of the really cool things that happened um, when we had the artist talk for this show was um, Charles Jean-Pierre or JP, he he said that he he was thanking me he was like you know thank you thomas for bringing me you know having me on the show but he said that he also felt like he was not only being invited to a show but being invited to a city and you know i think that's i think that's really unique about the the baltimore scene and personally you know i'm i'm from the dmv area but so coming up here and being a part of it you know one of the one of the things that the, one of the big things that i've been trying to do is to, to bring Baltimore artists to the other places that I'm connected with and then vice versa, bringing them here. So the, the show downstairs, it's probably like 50-50 between Baltimore artists and DMV artists. Um, but, you know, we had, we had a dinner, we had a nice dinner after the show, we just had a nice dinner at the artist talk and stuff like that. And, and you see these artists that are, you know, from these, from these different places, but everyone's connecting, everyone's networking, be like, hey, I got this project going on, or I got that project going on. And so I think that a lot of people are gonna be, are gonna be coming in and out of, of Baltimore, and Baltimore folks are gonna be going in and out of these other places um, because yeah, because it's important to expand and and it's important to bring to bring that economy um, and that culture multiple places. I think for a lot of us here that are um, in these, like you say, tastemaker position or um, even gatekeeper positions, uh, I think it's going to be important for us to to keep that to keep that energy when people who aren't who are, I guess, sort of new to the scene, or you know, what, what, however you want to say that, when when they come in, it's going to be important for us to, you know, to make sure that that they're doing right by what's going on, you know, because there are there's a because Baltimore is, um, it's it's cheap to live. It's you know, it, you you can easily buy property and things like that. It, it's 
that means it, it can be very easy for other people to come in and, and you know, sort of push whatever, whatever they want to on it. So I think it's important for, um, for the folks here that have been invested in it to continue to, um, to, continue to, to protect, you know, everything that's going on. Uh, but yeah, but no, but overall, I think, I think just that expansion is, is what's next for the scene as far as galleries, artists, projects, just all that in general. Specifically talking about repercussions <clears throat> and in the fact that the show is abstract black art, which is something that some people might not even think or know exists, um, physically as well as professionally, how did putting on this show and organizing this show challenge you as a curator? That's a really good question. Um, you know, so I wanted to do, I've been wanting to do this show for over a year not necessarily knowing what it was going to look like, but just having in my mind, I'm like, okay, there's going to be a black abstract show or abstract and mixed media. I'll say abstract and mixed media. An abstract and mixed media show. And I just pretty much had the name and some artists that I had my eye on. Um, but yeah, but I mean, I wanted to, I wanted to push myself as a curator um, because that's not something that, like th this is the second show that I've done that is all abstract or mixed media. Um, I did one at Creative Alliance called Organic Destruction, and um, and that was a that was a good experience on like how exactly to to sort of craft that sort of show. Um, I felt like this show was really a um, was really like the me kind of mastering it as far as you know in comparison to the last show um that I did like this um but yeah but i mean but it was important because there are like we we're saying before you know the the how we understand how we think about and understand blackness is so um is so vast that sometimes it, it might you might not be able to um to 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 have all these different ideas in a in a in a in a figurative show or something like that like there needs to be um abstract art allows for for so many different elements to be part of a one single piece it allows for a lot of nuance um, and it, it allows for a lot of just questioning of how people are how people are making. So like um, Wale Ali, who has the the pieces that are made from that um, the the puffy material that's used to to fill in the, the cracks and stuff like that. Like a lot of people are amazed when they're like, "What? Like that's what he's using to create?" Like it's you know just so e even just or or even um like um. Soldano's piece, which is that that middle piece um, in the second room, that is just a, a complete assemblage with the um, with the bricks and the trinkets and all the the different types of dirts and seashells and stuff. And just like the idea of seeing that as fine art is something that pushes a conversation or um, you know sort of it creates it creates this this understanding that okay you know this you using these materials using materials that you can that you can literally find and source um in your community in your home um you know th that can be considered what that can be considered fine art and it can communicate the same sort of ideas that your your typical painting could or um you know it can it can bring 
a it can bring a an aesthetic that 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 just dazzles you um, you know so it, it it can bring forward the same elements of typical um, I should say more typical um, paintings and things like that um, but just you know but it, it yeah but it brings those different elements so yeah, that, that's why I think it's important so I want to get your thoughts on this. Uh, so our critique and art appreciation are subjective. Um, mm -hmm. What distinct hurdles do black abstract artists encounter that their white contemporaries don't? Could you speak on that a little bit? Yeah, I mean, I've, I feel bad for a lot of black artists that are like, like, because a lot of, like, especially when, when, we're, when we're going through critiques and, um, you know, I've I've heard of a lot of a lot of black artists that that go through critiques, whether that's in 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 school or just in other critique groups, um, and they'll say, you know, when I brought my work, like everyone was just silent. You know, like there there's there's this because the you know members of the of 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 those panels or you know whatever normally you know don't have that same background, um, so they may not they may not feel com for some reason they may not feel comfortable commenting on it or you know like they may not want to say the right thing or they may not they they may not even give it give it a chance for um an understanding because their understanding of blackness might just be boxed in but like for example i've i've done critiques at you know many of the schools around here and in different critique groups and stuff like that and even if and 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 that would normally have artists from um, many different backgrounds, different countries, um, ages, sexual orientations, like the, the 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 entire spectrum of 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 the human race, and you know, in all of those in all of those critiques, I'm constantly asking questions, trying to draw comparisons, and just trying to get a better understanding of what exactly they were trying to communicate or create or, or you know whatever the case is and you know from there then I can give a um, I can give try to give meaningful feedback um, stuff like that but really a lot of unfortunately a lot of black artists don't necessarily get that get, they get a lot of like lazy responses sometimes um, offensive responses and so I mean I think that that's why it's important for for things like this, so uh, reference it again. The um, the talk that we had um, earlier this week, and it was it was wonderful because at the end, you know, some of the artists got to ask each other questions, and then we went downstairs, and it was essentially like a, a small reception down there where I got to see the artists showing each other their work and them asking each other questions and giving feedback and stuff like that, and you know, sometimes as a as a black artist, that's that's like the lengths that you have to go through when you should be getting it if you're in school or you know whatever, um, and I think that's something that I think that's something that um, that that is it's it is unfortunate, um, but I think you know it's sort of like I guess for us it, it, it can be like Montessori school like you know you're learning from the you know your your contemporaries, um, yeah. But yeah, does that answer the question? No, I think it does. Okay. 
Um, so you you touched on this a little bit in your previous responses, but I, I'd, I'd like to reframe or ask the question in a different way because I think it could give a different response. Um, several prominent black abstract painters and artists have seen you know really monumental auction results and people are really starting to make good money off of this art that people might not understand or feel like they can't comment on because they don't have those kinds of experiences. Um, and we want to ask you, you know, is that a result in changing tastes or growth in representation by those leading galleries? That's a good question. Well, that is a Rob question, um, so good job, <laughs> Rob. Uh, personally, I think it's it's a culmination of a lot of different things um, kind of happening at the same time. I think one to to reiterate, you know, black art and black storytelling is hot right now um, because it is it's it's new in the in the way that it's being that it's being um, valued by the by the dominant society because there's always been black creatives and and you know black people making this amazing work that's one of the the major you know when I, when I was first doing research for this for this show I was thinking a lot about and learning a lot about um, Betty Saar and Faith Ringgold and and um, and Ramir Bearden and and just like what they were doing in their time um, so like it's always been there, but now, you know, I mean, even I would say th this past this past Black History Month, I saw like the most black everything from commercials to collaborations to like everything. Um, and, you know, a lot of that is because of the times and what's going on, and and because there are so many prominent um so many prominent black people in our in our popular culture and they're making it they're making it cool for black stories to be told um and and also they are you know the the people that have that have made it to a certain a certain level that have been able to to gain the the skill set to be able to maneuver within the within the dominant society are are using their their time and money and resources to, to sort of reach back and and bring other people um, up. I mean that's you know that that's how a lot of that's how a lot of artists are getting their are getting their shot or getting their um, you know whatever you want to whatever you want to say is from from other people that look like them bringing them up. And so I, again, so I think it's, um, I think it's a lot of that happening at the same time. I mean, like, especially when, um, when Amy Sherald and Kehinde Wiley, you know, painted the the president. I mean, that was like big, yeah. not only because they were they were like the the black artists that, that that painted the black presidents, but really because a lot of that it put it put such a magnifying glass on what was already happening that it really, it helped to, to kick open the door. And I think a lot, of, a lot of us, because we haven't had, we may not have had certain opportunities, um, not only because of the way we look, but just because of we, we might not have, we might not benefit from nepotism. You know, we might not have access to certain resources and certain opportunities and things like that. We may not have had the the chance to um, to to be in 
to, to know, to get to know this important person or be in this show or, you know, whatever the case is. But now, um, now we, we are a little bit more. And I think a lot of us have the, the mentality of like, you know, hey, if I can just get a foot in the door, that's all I need, you know, and then I'll, I'll, I'll break it open for, you know, and so like, I know that's my mentality. And I know that's a lot of, a lot of other creatives and mentality. And so I think now, I think a lot of us are getting, are, are getting that foot in the door. Um, and I think a lot of people are taking advantage of it. So, um, so yes, I think it's all of that happening at the same time. So I, w I want to go back into uh, talking about the actual exhibition. And uh, so what was the thought and placement? And I go back to a conversation that you and I had during, when we did the interview for, uh, for Bright. Mm -hmm. And uh, we remarked upon that, that first piece. So I look at this one and this, this, this set up here for repercussions. And student, worker, and elder is the first piece. But from some points of view, you see um, Alegua, uh, Ori, and Asha, it pops and it's like right there as soon as you come in. And mm -hmm. then uh, waiting for a seat at the table kind of is that last piece. So what was the thinking in, in kind of organizing it in that way? And was it intentional? So th that in particular, like the design, you're talking about like the design of the show? Yes. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of the designs come organically. A lot of the shows, I will, I'll have the artists in mind, I'll go there, I'll see the pieces, and I'll just connect to it and be like, okay, I want this piece, this piece. And then, and then from there, I sort of build, um, I sort of build the, the show from there. Um, but I think overall, a lot of my curatorial style is, there's, there's no way to erase whiteness and what has been done to the, the African diaspora throughout the world. But I like for the shows here to, or just the shows I do in general, um, for the most part, to sort of reframe the, the narratives. And so like, for example, the, the first piece, that the, well, the, the piece that's right next to the title, the, the Washerwomen. Um, so like that piece could have been a completely different piece. So like when you think about that story, of the washerwomen and them going on strike. It was because of the extremely low wages, the, um, the terrible conditions. And so the piece could have focused on that, but instead Antonio, the, the artist Antonio McAfee, he decided to draw strength from the peace and the courage that these women had to go on strike at that time. And so I guess to, to, an, the, to answer your question about like how, how the shows are, are designed, you know, a lot of it is, is organic, um, but I think with my thought process that goes into choosing the pieces, a lot of times it just sort of falls into place. Um, you know, like especially with um, with the Bright Show, when we did our first, when we did our first interview, you know, the same sort of thing happened where, um, you know, I, I picked all the pieces because I, I thought that they all, they all resonated with my idea for what, what I wanted to, to put in the show. And so then from there, the idea kind of just fell into place, or the, the design sort of just fell into place where the first piece was about the museum guard and sort of the way that 
the the inequity of the the museum world uh, when it comes to displaying black artists and then you whip around the whole exhibition and you know there's so much there's so much empowering work that you're seeing you're seeing these um, like that, that huge piece by Ambrose, which is, you know, sort of like connecting to like spirituality. And you see the, the cowboy piece from Megan Lewis, which is, you know, bringing up these really, really cool stories and the quilts by Michael Booker and stuff like that. Then you get to the end of the show and we have that piece from David Abada with the, um, with the mouth missing. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, and we talked about the, um, the way that, that people might feel um, silenced or, or um, you know, just sort of have that like downtrodden um, outlook on life, or it could be you know just a just a an empowering contentment, you know, and sort of like starting starting the show with with a piece like the museum guard and ending it with a piece like David's. Um, the design, the the thought process behind that was was really that like does this relate to the overall theme of the show? Like, do these do these pieces, are these pieces strong enough to start the show on an empowering piece and end the show uh, with something that is going to leave you asking more questions? And I think that's what it did, having the last piece um, as that collage uh, waiting for a seat at the table, because we all had a different perspective about what that is. Is it, you know, do we want to sit at the table? Are we, like you're saying, we're, are we being served up on the table? Is, is you know, like, when I think about the design, I definitely want people to leave if they decide to follow the show in that particular way. Um, but I would definitely want people to leave asking more questions than what they came in with. So that was a long way of answering your question. It's <laughs> in-depth and it's like a post-credit scene. So. <laughs> um, we, um, we're down to the last question. Do you have any additional ones that you wanted to ask or you feel good? Okay, cool. Um, <clears throat> so uh, we'll ask the final question and then we'll do the pluggables so you can tell people like how to contact you and such. Um, what do you hope the audience takes away from this exhibition and um, for the future of art in Baltimore, in the United States and in the world, what do you want to see in terms of representation mm. of black art? Before I answer that, can I ask a question from you guys? Can we, um, if the if they want, if the audience wants to ask any questions, can we have them ask questions? Yeah, of course. All right, cool. Um, but so, to answer your question on what what people what people leave with for the show, um, I want people to, for one, I want people to to look at. Um, objects differently um, and the way that they in the way that we view fine art differently because again like we have all of these crazy materials that are being used um, throughout the throughout this show um, and they all mean something to all these artists it either it either relates to um, where they've come from, their 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 lineage, and um, and also like you know their direct family members, or or like even things going on within their own bodies, um, we see a spiritual connection. We see these connections to to where you're born and 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 where you've grown up and where you currently are, um, and and a lot of the ways that we relate to that is through objects. Um, you know, there's there there's a certain power that that objects hold, and I think that 
I think that this exhibition, all the artists that are here do a very good job of utilizing objects in that way. And so one, I hope people walk away, like, you know, maybe just thinking about the objects in their lives differently. Um, but I, I, also, I also hope that on a, on a spiritual level, people feel empowered when they leave the exhibition. Um, all of the, not all, many of the pieces, there is, there is a, there's a deep spiritual connection, whether, and you know, some of them that, that I think sort of speak to that are the two Wesley Clark pieces, the, um, the American flag and um, the stained glass piece. I think that, um, you know, people can, something deep in, in, in your soul might be touched when you, when you, when you see those and you think about the experience of, of people here in, in this country, as well as the, the very intimate relationship between a parent and a child, um, as well as all of the different shrine-like pieces that are in the show, whether that's like, um, whether that's like Lionel's piece of with all the wood or, or Lena's piece, the, the, the water spirit or, um, or, um, or Desmond Beach's piece with, um, you know, all those different relics that are, you know, essentially used for, um, as like a prayer on like a prayer rug. You know, I think that, I think that all of these, all of the works that are in this show definitely make you, make you question things that you may not be able to see or understand. And so I hope that, that when people come and they, and they view the show that, that when they leave, they feel as if they've been, they, they've had some sort of spiritual connection to it. Um, cause I think that's what, that's one of the things that that's really tie, that really ties in a lot of the, a lot of the works in the show and what a lot of the artists are doing. And then there was a second part to that question. Um, it was it was more about like representation for Black art, but um, unless you have like more to say on it, I feel like you you've answered it. Would you agree, Rob? Yeah, I mean the only thing I would I would just end end with as far as as far as representation goes. I mean I, I just want I want people to to be responsible um, with with their um, with their power, with their influence, and the the images that that we put out. Um, meaning, you know, like if you put out a, if you put out an image that is, that could hurt people or like, you know, could, that, that's fine, but I want people to be able to explain that and, um, you know, give context to it because I, I think that sometimes um, as black artists, um, we create just to create, you know, and, and that's not a bad thing. But I think that especially if you're going to be if you're going to be putting putting things out to um, to the to the public and you're going to be representing yourself in in that way, I it's my hope that people will continue to um, to speak about it in depth because that also pushes the conversation forward. Um, you know, it's it, it is good to leave things up to interpretation, but. Um, sometimes it is just as powerful to, to like to thoroughly explain what you are, um, what you're thinking about, what you're researching, and, and why you're creating the images that you create. Um, but other than that, yeah, I mean, I think I think everybody, I think we're all, many of us, are feeling empowered right now. I feel like a lot of us are feeling like 
you know, we have the power to to open up our own spaces or to to do our own projects to, um, you know, like I feel like a lot of us feel feel kind of free to create in that way. And again, going back to what I was saying, I think that that's I think that that's that sort of um, empowering feeling and that um, and that sort of freedom, I think, is really indicative to the spirit that that I think a lot of us have. And, um, and like I said, I think that's coming through in a lot of the, in a lot of the work. So I hope that continues. Awesome. Sure. Uh, we will now open it up to the audience. Does anybody have any questions they would like to ask, uh, mostly Tom or, or me or Rob? No. You, sir. I think we have to do multiple things at the at the same time so like I'm someone that I like to go to to museums and and um, and colleges to see exhibitions but I also like to go to cultural centers such as UB Blake um, so I think for for one I think it's important for for all of us to keep the pressure on larger institutions to not only have representation within, you know, with the, within the gallery walls, um, but also behind the scenes. Because, for example, when I was at Creative Alliance, I was the, I was one of the, well, not one of, I was the the first black male or even just black person that they had as as a curator at Creative Alliance, and and almost instantly the programming began to to change. Um, because that's what I valued. I valued seeing more people that look like me that I know are doing dope stuff that are creating dope things or just have a, a dope perspective um, in that space. And so when, when you have people of, of different backgrounds on the board, um, in curatorial positions, um, in programming positions, or even working the front desk, you know, like things, things will begin to change. So I think, so again, I think that, that those of us that, that frequent these establishments, we need to keep the pressure on them and continue to complain when we don't see enough representation um, and also push for, uh, and, and then also us behind the scenes, you know, if we're, if we're in these positions where we're saying, okay, you know, I'm the only, I'm the only black person here, you know, we should hopefully Hopefully, the, and hopefully we should, we'll feel empowered to say, you know, to go to 
the the other people that are I guess the the higher ups to say hey there need to be more people that look like me here but at the same time while that's happening at the same time we do need to continue to build our own institutions and continue to support our own institutions and, you know like there's in Baltimore you know there there aren't too many spots like UB Blake and you know UB Blake is not is not the is not a place where you know we can just we're just handing out jobs and handing out checks and you know a lot of what we do is volunteer based so you know so if you if you if you're someone that is in a is in a institution where they are handing out jobs and checks and stuff like that you might feel nervous going to someone and saying hey i want there to be more people that look like me because if you get fired you might not be able to go somewhere else so it is important for us to continue to support um, these in, like institutions such as UB Blake, because then someone might say, "Hey, I, you know, I have I shook things up here. I can no longer work there. You know, can can I get some help? You know, that sort of thing." And then hopefully the community will be able to help in that way. Um, yeah, but but I mean, but I guess even even deeper than that, it's it's just more important to build our own in general, so that yeah, because again, you know, people see what we're doing here, and they follow suit. I mean, I can't tell you the you know I've I've been. I've been on the exhibitions committee here for two years, and in that amount of time, we've had artists show here that are now in these national shows um, that are now represented by galleries that are, you know, they're, they're going to, um, you know, using, using the work that they've done here to apply for grad school, apply for grants, apply for residencies, et cetera, et cetera. So, like, so what we're doing here is important, and it's a, it's a very important grassroots platform. So we need to continue to foster that and build it and expand upon it. Um, yeah, so yeah, both at the same time. Does anybody else have any questions for Tom or for me or Rob? No questions? Okay. So we're going to close this out uh, with just the good old pluggables uh, where you can find and contact us and where you can... Uh, listen to the things that we say. So we'll start with you, Rob. How can people contact you and how can they listen to your podcast? Uh, smoke signals. Um, no, uh, I'm available on all of the podcast platforms. That's uh, Truth in the Art. Truth in this Art um, and it's Truth in this Art on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Uh, yeah, uh, podcasts go up pretty regularly. Uh, just dropped the interview that I did with, uh, with David. So yeah, yeah. yeah David Ibotta. So uh, yeah, that's... Pretty much it, um, but check me out in those places. And it's 140 episodes on there, so there's a lot of interesting conversations with people who are doing really co cool stuff in the scene. Cool. And then Tom, we'll go to you. Yeah, so you can follow me on Instagram, thomasjames.dc, or you can go to my website, thomasjamesdc.com. And for me, um, my podcast is called Local Color, a Baltimore podcast. People just call it Local Color. Find it on localcolorpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and I'm at Local Color Podcast on Instagram, which is the main uh, social media handle that I use. Um, that is it for us. Thank you so much for joining us for this panel discussion. And we hope that when you go back downstairs to look at the pieces of art, you'll look at them with uh, a different perspective than when you came in. And uh, please enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you. Thank you.